0: Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening.
1: You're listening to the Sports Grid Network.
2: Let it ride!
1: Remember the class where I taught you all how to make it rain? Make it rain. Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. All right, here we go. On a Monday, I cannot believe it. It is the 28th of October already, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. But we still got one more football game here. It's a sort of like a, well, it's like a football. Well, there will be a football on the field. Not sure how much of a game it will be, but we will get to that yesterday Was an epic day in the world of sports for 2019, as it was the only day this year that you had an opportunity to bet on not only the NFL, but Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, all available to you yesterday. 29 games in total for you to be a total degenerate, and we hope that uh, you limited yourself. But this was what we were talking about when we said yeah there's plenty of opportunities for you to uh to go overboard which is why discipline is one of the biggest and most important attributes that you need in order to be successful at the sports investing world long term because days like yesterday will make it very difficult as 29 games across all the professional sports leagues were available to you uh but of course the nfl uh, was front and center as it should be, uh, as it always will be. And it was a, another very profitable day for the sports books, as uh, some of the most heavily bet games, in fact, uh, went uh, the other way, did not go their way. We'll talk about some of those. But the Game 5 of the World Series, really last night, just tragic as far as I'm concerned for the Washington Nationals and their fans. Not so tragic for Mattress Mac, but that's a whole different story. Uh, Yeah, could you imagine knowing that, all right, listen, series is tied, final game at home. We're going to have Scherzer going against Cole and uh, worked uh, wonders the first time around. But even as hard as it is to hit Cole, you got to feel really good that Scherzer was going to be on the mound. And then you get to the ballpark and find out Scherzer couldn't even get up and dress himself in the morning due to some sort of back spasm and neck pinch and nerve damage, and his wife had to dress him. And poor dude was almost in tears at the podium there yesterday, distraught that he was not able to go. Insert Joe Ross. Why not? Game three uh, came in for a couple of innings there. And even with that kind of news, ultimately, they didn't win game five. Uh, but uh, they have been outscored 19 to 3 over the last three games at home. They also have been, including last night, going over 2. They're 1 for 21 with runners in scoring position. I don't care who's pitching for you, really, Nationals. At that point, you're not going to beat anybody. You lost the bullpen day. Uh, you lost a Granky, You had him on the ropes. You even had Cole in an opportunity last night to be able to chase him and get to that bullpen. But you couldn't get it done, and I don't blame Joe Ross. Uh, unfortunately, the hitters got to take a long look at themselves, but it does kind of suck, Dan, that we've had this great a World Series to this point, you know, battling back 2-2, and not to have the best going against the best. Uh, it kind of sucked. I-, I mean, it really did. That was just tragic news yesterday, I thought, not only for the Nationals, but for fans in general, man. that That's not a way to go about it.
0: Absolutely. You're right there. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, degenerates on Make It Rain. Let's cockadoodle do it. I mean, you took the stats that I was going to give out you know, that really described to me the turn in this series and why the Nationals could not get it done at home over this weekend, right? Like, they only score one run in each of the three games, but to your point, we've been saying at the entire playoffs, Joe, this idea of just relying on the big hit, the home run, is not gonna happen. You're gonna have to do what? Get hits with runners in scoring position, in those clutch spots, in when there's two outs, right? And you said it, on Friday, they go 0 for 10 against Grinky and the rest of the Stros on Saturday. 1 for 9 with runners in scoring position, and then yesterday 0 for 2, and no one was really doing work. As Garrett Cole did, in fact, bring his stuff. Nine strikeouts, only giving up three hits in seven innings. Right, but that's the difference, and we've been talking about that as what's going to get it done in the playoffs. All you know, all month long. Right, who can get the clutch hits? Who can get it when it matters? Right, and the Nats as As you said, one for 21 over the weekend. That's how you'll lose three straight games at home.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, now, listen, all hope is not lost. They do have uh, exactly the guy they need on the mound in this spot coming up with uh, with Steven Strasburg. But again, you're asking a team and you're asking a guy to go out and uh, now handle a Astros lineup that is quite honestly on fire getting those timely hits that they weren't getting in the first two games. And again, you're asking a team to beat Verlander who at some point he's going to be Verlander again. And you can only hope that it's next year and that it's not game six, but he is hard enough to hit and maybe just maybe, Uh, and it's not like the numbers aren't favoring the nationals here. We we've had game sixes before, where a team going on the road has an opportunity to push it to a game seven. And it's it's 27 and 22, guys. So it, it's not impossible for the Nationals to come back, win game six, force a game seven. But we have never had and it's hard. It, it makes sense, I guess. But there has never been a World Series winner which won all four games on the road, never not winning one game at home. So the Nationals would be looking to do that. They'd be looking to win two games in Houston to start it and two games in Houston to end it as a World Series champion. But, of course, they got to get past uh, Verlander. And if they don't start hitting the ball, Dane, it really doesn't make a damn bit of difference how good Strasburg is. At some point, somebody on that team, and I'm wondering who it's going to be, has got to step up and be like, all right, enough of this who gets the big hit for the Washington Nationals.
0: Well, you know, I mean Juan Soto has been getting big hits. Okay, Juan Soto like he went yard yesterday. You know, right. for the one for the one uh run that they scored, you know. So I I, I I give Juan Soto a pass. He's certainly doing his thing, celebrating, I believe, his 21st birthday over the weekend as well. Nice way to celebrate, right? Mm. So that would be interesting, Joe, the idea. If that were to come to pass, the road team would win all seven games if it went that way, and the Nats do, in fact, come back. I got to tell you, though, Joe, based on what we've seen over the last, oh, I don't know, two, three weeks, and I know there'll be stats aplenty tomorrow tomorrow, I give the edge to Stroudsburg over Verlander, if you want to know Mm -hmm. the truth. Verlander has been decent, but he hasn't been his Cy Young dominant self. I think the innings are piling up. Eileen Stroudsburg in Game 6. They're plus 105. Better
1: form, that's for for sure. And then, if he does win, who goes Game 7? Much to be decided here. World Series not over yet. We'll break Break it down for you. Plus, we'll take a look at last night's Sunday night football game. A lot better than people thought it would be. Next on The Grid. DailyRoto.com.
0: Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.
1: So we had some uh, Sunday night football last night, which uh, on the on the calendar about a month ago just seemed unbelievable. Had it circled here as you get Mahomes versus Rogers uh, in what was going to be you know the best of the AFC versus the best of the NFC. Uh, All of that was going to be just great up until the fact that uh, Patrick Mahomes dislocates his uh, kneecap and then. Yeah, he's not available. So we sort of get, like, a, an interesting matchup. We get a uh, Aaron Rodgers-led, you know, uh, one-loss Green Bay team, only well, he's got to take on a dude who was retired uh, six months ago and working for the scouting department of the Miami Dolphins, uh, that being Matt Moore. And uh, what would we get? Well, I can tell you this. We got a road favorite in the— Green Bay Packers of uh, of about five and a half points, which a lot of people were scratching their heads about because Andy Reid was going to have extra time to prepare. Uh, but people kept going back to the whole thing of, listen, it's Matt Moore. He was retired. Well, as it turns out, uh, it was probably the most entertaining game on the board yesterday. Uh, guy, they went in 17 to 14 at halftime and Matt Moore. Was exceptional. Uh, Matt Moore did everything in his power to win that game yesterday. Uh, Unfortunately, it was turnovers that ended up doing in the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, uh, Shady McCoy might have had a shady bet there on the the Green Bay Packers because he managed to somehow fumble around his own 20-yard line there late in the second half, which, of course, gave Aaron Rodgers a short field. And the rest is what they say is history. But... 31-24, 31-24, guys, was a great game last night. Now the question remains, well, what do you do with Patrick Mahomes? Because you got one more game here now against uh, Minnesota. He has been on the field. The doctor reports uh, coming out are that it's apparently what we didn't know is he's even got an unfair advantage from an anatomy standpoint here, Dane. He's double-jointed. And it turns out that I guess they sent the the scans to about five different doctors around the country. And they all came back and said the same thing. It's almost ridiculous that, A, he is double-jointed. So when that kneecap uh, popped, it only affected one joint as opposed sure. to the many joints that it could have affected for anybody who no you know has normal kneecaps. So, no problem. They said it's absolutely almost never happens to a double-jointed person. But the fact that it did, it is without a doubt the reason why he is able to be upright right now and watch him doing what he's doing. Doctors called it just ridiculous. Uh, And his return to the field absolutely could happen this week. But I think with the way Matt Moore played last night and the way the team responded, uh, Matt Moore's not the problem here. I, I don't think that if there's any questions, I would side, especially given the fact that the division that they're in right now. Is there any reason why you would rush him back or better safe than sorry? Give him another week because Matt
0: Moore's not the reason you lost last night. No, I hear you, Joe. And as I look, you know, the Chargers, even with their win, have three wins. Mm -hmm. The Denver Broncos have two wins. The Oakland Raiders have three wins. And then, you know, the Kansas City, even with that loss, is staring there, sitting there at five and three. So they have a two-game lead on the division, right? Maybe New England is too far away. You know, for this kind of one seed with any dreams of having them back at Arrowhead in January is not there. But I agree with you, Joe. I've been saying this for a while. You know, you got to, with some of these guys, you got to, you know, lose the battle to win the war. You know, uh, too bad Drew Brees put that in my eye last yesterday. But... That notwithstanding, I, I do believe you give him another week. The reports I'm hearing, Joe, were that they expect him back week 10, which would mean that he misses the week nine tilt against Minnesota. But I'm OK with that because you're right. Matt Moore was serviceable. If Shady doesn't fumble, this is still kind of a a back and forth game. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they put in Damian Williams after that. LaShawn McCoy was in the doghouse. But. No, I think, to to our previous point, remember when Mahomes was playing but was on the compromised ankle? And I mm-hmm. said that the difference of him now is that he's just not making the video game superhuman plays, but he's still doing it well. Matt Moore is almost doing that, but, you know, a tick below that. And this offense still has Tyreek Hill. Still, you see miko Hardman that they're starting to use as a Swiss Army knife as well. Still has, you know, Travis Kelsey, who makes adjustments for the touchdown, going four for 63 in the tud. So, you know, if you get adequate quarterback play, this team is still dynamic, dynamic enough to let Patty Mahomes wait until he's 100% and it's it's lucky that he's double jointed. You know who else is double jointed, Joe? Michael Phelps, I believe, and mm-hmm. it helps him in the water as well. So these superhuman athletes sometimes they are biological reasons for it. They
1: just have a an unfair advantage over everybody else <laughs> and and including Patrick Mahomes who's athletic uh is freakish enough, but you you know, you brought up the Drew Brees game and A lot of question marks surrounding that also with, you know, Drew Brees anticipated maybe another week or so. There was, you got a bye coming up. Teddy Bridgewater undefeated. Why in the hell are, are we bringing back a Drew Brees in this game? And, uh, well, I guess, you know, the, the answer was pretty evident yesterday. No, Alvin Kamara didn't make a damn bit of difference. Uh, Drew Brees, his first game since week two of the uh, of the season. And, you know, another 300 and over 350 yards and, you know, typical Drew Brees fashion. And I tell you who's really excited to have him back is Michael Thomas because, sure. you know, you know, his, his first three passes went to Michael Thomas and they were all for monster gains. Uh, Drew Brees does not. Listen, the guy's a pro's pro. What, what are you going to say? I, you know, the idea that maybe Drew Brees would kind of push his way in, I don't doubt it. Uh, if he's ready to play, he's a competitor. He's going to want to play. But they didn't skip a beat with Drew Brees. And there was, and I wasn't sure that we were going to see it, Dane, but there was a big difference with that offense between Teddy Bridgewater, as good as he was. Uh, you right. know, 4-0, and what are you going to do? But sure. they are just a notch above that with Drew Brees. I mean, that, that's the reason why you start Drew Brees. And maybe just maybe this four-week stretch could be the best thing that happened to Drew Brees because now he's going to be a little bit fresher towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I would also say the same thing, ironically – About Alvin Kamara, Joe, I mean, Mm. Lat Murray now for the second week in a row has shown that he's just fine going 21, Mm -hmm. 102 and a touchdown. We gave out the over, I think it was 73 and a half for his rushing yards prop yesterday on pro football today. He zooms over that. And to be honest, Joe, remember a couple years ago when you had Alvin Kamara and a strong Mark Ingram and how dangerous they were, you know. Lat Murray looks just like Mark Ingram in this role. So you're right. The idea that Breeze is back. Now, Don't get me wrong. Teddy Bridgewater was undefeated, so you can't go sure. much better than that, right? But the offense looks better. He throws for 373 yards. There are no t- sacks, you know, in the game. I think they had no penalties, Joe. I, or, or Only two penalties all yep. game. Okay, so this is you know what it looks like under Drew Brees, and I think you're right. The idea of the pressing in disguise, especially for a quarterback in his late 30s to be fresh, and I also think they are growing in confidence. Joe, in what Lat Murray can offer in the run game, you know what Kamara has as the kind of you know lightning side of it, but they got a legit thunder side of it in Lat Murray as well. The Saints have to be considered along with, I guess, the Packers and the 49ers as the top tier of the NFC.
1: Yeah, that it's and that defense, too, just continues to make big play after big play. They have a huge home field advantage there, guys, in uh, in the Mercedes Dome in New Orleans. Uh, you, if you're a Saints fan, you got to be, sure this is the best team by far that you have had in, in many, many, many years, uh, including maybe even that Super Bowl team that you had there. This team is balanced. This team has defense. This team has special teams, well-coached. And, of course, you got Drew Brees now, who gets a week off this week in a bye week which gives him even more time now to heal up here and get ready for a second-half push coming back in Week 10. Things are lining up finally for the New Orleans uh, Saints. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, eh. hey, I Joe. think Tyler Murray has got a great future ahead of him, but they, that team is just, that that's the not Saints a good are, team.
0: Uh, the Saints host the Atlanta Falcons after their bye. Who's going to be coaching the Falcons?
1: uh it, it could be me, uh, I could be uh, coaching it cause it ain't going be it ain't gonna be Dan Quinn dailyrodo.com So, who wants to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? If you do, then join dailyroto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. You can get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey, without using dailyrodo.com guys you are leaving money on the table stop it enter the promo code action get a 10% discount that promo code action for a 10% discount And remember dailyrodo.com it is where millionaires are made and uh also uh you know yesterday uh interesting uh interesting bit of scheduling notes that you guys should definitely keep in your back pocket here because Uh, A lot of our college football questions were answered Saturday. Like, is Michigan back? I think the answer is yes. Uh, Dropping uh, all those points against uh, Notre Dame there, winning at home. Uh, Congratulations. But this week in college football history will be looked at as just unforgettable. It's uh, some of the worst matchups all year long. Just unforgivable, the schedulers, uh, this year on what we've got coming up. but. They are made up for it, giving us a week 11, guys. Where anytime you can break history and you can give us something for the very first time as sports fans, college football fans, and investors, yeah, what a handicapping weekend week 11 is, guys. It'll be the first time in the AP poll era since 1936 that we will not only have one, but we will have two games which feature all four teams being 8-0. and oh. LSU, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Penn State in point. Minnesota, taking on the Golden Golfers huh. who nobody, I mean, they, we knew they were going to be good, but nobody saw this team is trucking people in the Big Ten. We have never had this late in the season. We've never had the opportunity for not one, not two, not three, but four. Two games, four teams, all eight. No, Dane, week 11. I can't wait to see it. And you know who won't be there? Uh Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who got uh <clears throat> truck? Sorry, Sooner uh, Lisa. Yep, yep. Sorry about that, Sooner Lisa. Uh yeah. They just forgot to play football for a half there, and Kansas State took advantage of them. So Oklahoma uh falls from the uh the ranks of the unbeaten. Not sure, depending on what happens here, but that's what makes college football so crazy, Dane, is that here we are, right, heading into Week 10. They lose, but depending on who else loses ahead of them, we could still be talking about Oklahoma as a, you know, four seed here and a possibility of a uh, national championship. So uh, time will tell, but that's what makes college football a little fun. But I still hope we get six to eight teams before it's uh, all said and done. And one of those teams, in fact... I, you know, they should put in is the New York Jets, uh, because honestly, uh, they're playing at a college level. Well, I, I, maybe I shouldn't do that to college football. Yeah, no, the Jets, uh, went into Jacksonville yesterday, Dane, and we had talked about it saying, Hey, listen, it's no shame in looking like seeing ghosts and looking like ridiculous against that new England defense. Right. So, it happens. We're talking about a dude who's only started 12 games in his career. Let's cut him some slack. Let's, you know, let it. this should be a good bounce-back spot for him. And, in theory, it was correct. You know, a little overvaluing for Gardner Minshew. They were missing three starting linebackers. So, the Jets should at least been able to hold their own. And for the first drive, damn, it certainly looked like it as he marched down, you know, 80-some-odd yards. And then... Yeah, then Adam Gase took over, and the uh, the next uh, offensive line, offensive po- possession, that offensive line could not protect anybody. Uh, he was under duress all game. He throws three picks, two in the second half. Uh, it was just an embarrassment of on so many levels for the Jets, who lost by 14. They were only they were getting seven. They lost by 14. Minshew again doing everything in his power to show the Jacksonville Jaguars that even if Nick Foles wants to come back and he's ready to go week 9 or 10, the hell are you bringing him back for? All the dude does is win games here. And it's obvious the team really does like this kid, Gardner Minshew. And that really, yeah. as sad as it is, is the bigger story than Sam Darnold right now coming out of that game because the Jets, uh, when do we start looking at draft picks here at this point, Dane?
0: Yeah, so I think it's interesting to, to talk about this from both angles, right? So first, for the Jets side, I think you're absolutely right, Joe. Eight sacks, he gave oh. up. Three, You know, you see the three interceptions, right? And you're like, oh, Sam Darnold's still seeing ghosts, ha, 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 ha. You know, but that's not what it is, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, that offensive line couldn't protect anybody, okay? He's running for his life, getting sacked eight times. Oh, and by the way, on a related note, the doctors that went in and did Osemele's surgery on Friday, yeah, mm-hmm. they found more extensive damage, by the way. So what did the Jets do? They decide to cut him, and what does Osemele do? Say, yeah, 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 you'll have a lawsuit on your hands. I think uh, you know, he felt something accurately, but I digress, because that was supposed to be one of the offensive lines protecting Sam Darnold this season, right? So that didn't happen. Here's the other thing, Joe, and like, okay, I can understand that eventually the game got away, but how does Lev Bell have nine carries in this game, Joe? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a quarterback that just had a bad game and you know that the old line ain't doing it, and, and we know about Le'Veon Bell and his patient running style, and you spent all this money. Why not turn around and give Lev Bell the rock? Why not give Lev Bell some screens? This guy, I, and you don't know it now, but this is one of the best running backs in all of football, Joe. Why are we not leveraging him to take some of the pressure off of Sam Darnold? I think that is the key. And honestly, Joe, I am now very worried... Because, like this narrative can go so far off the rails, right? The seeing ghosts and this lost. They're in Miami next week. Can you imagine if they lose to the dolphins next week in what is mm-hmm. technically a matchup of like one and six versus oh and seven? Like it's possible. And what would that do for the psyche for the confident? You know what I mean? Like, but I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Donald here. I'm blaming Gaze. Almost similar. I know we're going to talk about it later. I don't know that I'm blaming Baker anymore in Cleveland. It's a similar theory. I don't know which coach. I saw fire Gaze and fire Freddy both trending on Twitter. This is Gaze's fault, not Sam Darnold's.
1: I uh I agree with you, man. I mean, the reason he was brought in was to be able to Bring along Sam Darnold, right? Bring along a guy, lay a foundation for him. And while, listen, there have been some, obviously, some bad breaks along the way, but I do think also the mismanagement of the New York Jets organization for over the last couple of years with McCagnon and others, it, it just all came to a head here because there's no reason in the world that a NFL team should lose one player and then be as inept as they simply were, which was ridiculous from the backup quarterback to the offensive line. It's quite obvious. The jets are in a, uh, they are in purgatory. Like we've never seen at least the dolphins who played tonight, Dane, they've got a plan Uh, and they've got a plan and they've executed that plan. And more than anything else, the guys that are left, They are battling every damn day. And by the way, this goes for Greg Williams, too, whose defense was anything but lights out yesterday, allowing uh, big chunk plays all over the place. You're supposed to be a top 10 team against the run, and yet you let, you know, Fournette bust off a 66-yard run early in the game. I mean, just no excuse across the board. But all of this comes to the fact now where the Jets are going to have to make a decision at the end of this year. And I watched it happen in Miami with this guy. Right. He's got more lives than a cat. Now. Everybody made excuses for him, right? It was never his fault. It was either Tannehill got hurt, Jay Cutler this, that. Everything was everybody else's fault. I'm going to be very interested to see if the Jets organization ownership goes, you know what, he lost Sam early on to Mono, not his fault. We had some injury offensive. How much blame are the Jets as an organization going to put towards Gase? Because if they open their eyes and see what everybody else sees, they're going to realize there's there's one common thread here. The dude is what? One in 10 in his last 11 NFL starts is, as a coach? Like, he, yeah. he lost every game the last month uh, with Miami in December, last uh, time he was a head coach. And now he's won exactly one game since. I... I don't see how they keep him here, Dane. And if they do, I think that tell, that's more about the organization than it is Adam Gase.
0: So here's what's going to happen, Joe. And listen, Joe, you, you told me about this when gays came in in, like, February. We've got other Jet fans on this network. My boy Frank Stanfill, who you know mm-hmm. is one of the best friends forever. He's saying he wanted to cut bait a long time ago. He's saying, like, where's Mike McCarthy? Where's, yeah. you know, where's some of these college guys that they were looking at the coach from Baylor or whatever, right? But here's the problem, Joe. One. He's got a ready-made excuse in the form of mononucleosis, unfortunately. Two, Joe, remember when everyone said, oh, the Jets are going to start 0-7. Oh, the schedule's so tough. Well, we're now through that, Joe. (laughs) And I'll tell you, even this Jets team, their next three games, Joe, Miami, the Giants, and Washington. Mm -hmm. Okay? Then, after a game against Oakland, who, you know, no great shakes, then, Joe, Cincinnati, Miami. So, like, they're going to win some games, Joe. And my yep. fear is that they win just enough. They win four or five games. You combine that with the mono excuse, and it's enough for, uh, for gays to get a stay of execution. And we got to deal with this for another year.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. And that's they're my gonna fear. They're going to win some
0: games, Joe. Uh, Miami twice Cincinnati Washington the Giants like you're telling me they don't win some of those games they better because if not I, and well, part of me we goes, don't want
1: them to don't win them because maybe that <laughs> gives the exit to Gase a little bit quicker especially if he right. loses to Miami in Miami he wins four next or five week. games
0: they contain them
1: ridiculous absolutely ridiculous all right we'll keep going around the league yesterday in the NFL we'll do that next let's make it rain blows throw touchdown right over the goal line and emmanuel sanders
0: welcome to the
1: 49ers yeah welcome uh, to san francisco there emmanuel sanders and uh welcome to the 49ers universe it truly is there as we're just kind of playing in it here at this particular point uh those of you that thought The 49ers uh, weren't for real that they haven't played anybody and that the injuries are going to mount up for them. Two starting left two starting tackles rather uh, injured for them. No fullback. And yeah, well, coming off a bye week, you had a Carolina team that watched uh, a kid named Kyle Allen uh, win four games without Cam. And we're talking uh, for the last month about Cam Newton and why bring him back. They're a better offense. They're a better team with this kid under center hasn't thrown an interception. They all they've done is want Christian McCaffrey's better. So why wouldn't they be able to go on the road and give the 49ers the fight of their life? Since at least on paper to this point, they were without a doubt the best team that San Francisco will have faced. Well, 51 to 13 later, I think we can throw out the narrative that Cam Newton will never see the football field again as we uh, we were quickly reminded that, yes, um, being a rookie means you are going to do rookie things at points in the season. There's no way around it. No matter how good the weapons are around you, yeah, no. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, that defense on the road, had that kid confused, under duress all day, three interceptions later. And, oh, yeah, Tevin Coleman, I, I don't know, It's uh, it looks like Atlanta, another great decision to get rid of Tevin, keep Devonta. Congratulations there. Uh, you did him the biggest favor in the world. And, yeah, uh, the 49ers are for real people. And I know they're on the West Coast, and we don't get to see him much here on the East Coast. Uh hell, this game wasn't even on local television down here yet last yesterday. Uh, this game and this team, you, you ought to spend some time watching them because they they busted out new formations, and this is Kyle Shanahan to a T. Anything that Carolina might have prepared for in the off week, they did none of it. They created a whole different set of offensive plays with Emmanuel Sanders that they had no answer for. That was an ass whooping of epic proportions there yesterday, Dane.
0: It sure was, Joe. It sure was. You talk about them, you know, breaking out new plays. Huh. That reminds me a little bit of New England being games Mm. plan specific, right? You talk about um, having three, four different running backs that can carry the load and you have, you not know what's going to happen. Hmm. That reminds me of New England. Uh, (laughs) Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo managing Mm the game. Hmm. That reminds me of new Mm. England, you know? And, uh, by the way, Joe, this offensive line play, you know how it doesn't matter. You just said two tackles down their Pro Bowl fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, down. Mm -hmm. What do we talk about with the Patriots? Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach, who coaches everybody up and makes them look great to the point where they get contracts, you know, when they move from New England. What does San Francisco do? Like you said, with two offensive tackles out, with Kyle Juszczyk out, they still run the ball for 200 yards. Hmm, sounds like New England, and what do you know, Joe? These are the two left, undefeated teams left in uh, the NFL. But this defense, Joe... Mm. is what I would also say. Much like New England, right? You know, seven sacks. They only give up 12 first downs. Carolina had to punt seven times. Which Boza is better, Joe? I don't know, because they both had days yesterday. But if you look at it, there's a lot of, uh, I think, similarities between this San Francisco team and that New England team. They're on opposite coasts, but they're both undefeated and their game travels, Joe. This run game and this Defense. You can put them anywhere. You can put them in the Superdome. You can put them in Lambeau Field. You can put them on turf in L.A. I don't care. This defense and this running game is going to show up no matter where they play.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, too. uh, You know, you can draw another parallel where I guess, guys, we should not be all that surprised, given the fact that uh, Kyle Shanahan's old man for years in Denver, guys. Um, that zone blocking of the offensive line, it didn't make a damn bit of difference who was uh, playing it, whether you had reserves or not. The scheme is the scheme. And if you think about it, you know, Mike Shanahan for years always had a thousand yard rusher, guys. I mean, it didn't make a difference who was running the ball. Why? Because right. the offensive zone scheme are just dominated in the NFL and they're doing the exact thing. Same thing as old man did for years in the NFL where I can put whoever I want back there. Doesn't make a difference who I'm putting on the offensive line. The scheme is the scheme and it works. And I've always been amazed for years. And you're seeing it, like you said, New England adopted many of those same traits in in the zone blocking options of the offensive line. We've seen this before. Uh, it's amazing to me that uh, that we've got another Shanahan that's they're figured out their how teams to capitalize the same way, Joe. on it, but nobody you else know? has. It blows me away.
0: Yeah, they're doing the same things here, Joe. Name me the star wide receiver on New England. You can't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Name me the star wide receiver on San Fran. You can't. They brought in Manny Sanders to pretty much play a Julian Edelman role, mm-hmm. Uh, Joe. You know what I mean? In the slot to give Jimmy G these options. Oh, yeah! San Francisco has a dominant elite tight end. Where have we seen that before? Oh! New England! It's like The similarities are ridiculous, and I think you have to realize this running game is really what it's about, Joe. This is now, I believe, the third or fourth time this year they have run for 200 yards, Joe. They're running, and we talk about on the flip side. So we talk about guys like Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff, who when their teams are doing badly, they're putting the ball up 45, 50 times, right? Well, San Fran runs the ball like 33 times, and Jimmy G only puts it up 22 times, and guess what? He completes 18 of them. That's all you need. And you're like, oh. Only 18 completions, yeah, it's good enough for 51 points. So I don't care how you get it done, they're getting it done in San Francisco.
1: That they are, and they will continue to get it done uh, with that plan, with that coaching staff, with that quarterback, with that defense, you name it, guys. The San Francisco 49ers, by far, and I'm talking a pretty good Saints team we we told you about. Yeah. Uh, you can take all of it out the window. This this team is for real, and they will be there when it is all said and done there as we get ready for January football. Uh, make no mistake. Uh, you do not want to go to the 49ers. You do not want to go and play them in that building, man. It was an ass-whooping of epic proportions. Let me, proportions. But let me you ask you, Joe, Green Bay. This game, I mean, you mentioned for- New England. And there was an ass whooping also on the other coast yeah. there yesterday in the four o'clock game. And that, of course, was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, and a lot was made about, well, Cleveland's, you know, bye week. They'll have plenty of time to uh, to plan. And I, I don't actually I don't even know what people were saying. It opened up at 13 and a half. It was bet down to 10. There was yeah. money coming in hand over fist with Cleveland yesterday. And ultimately, we talked about it on pro football today. Yesterday there would blew it. Um, this comes down to Bill Belichick versus Freddie Kitchens. And he could have twelve years to prepare for that game yesterday. Ultimately, they would figure ways to blow it. And I don't think I have seen anything more laughable than the start to that game for the Cleveland Browns. Can the Cleveland Browns live up to a cliche? any more than they did the first three drives of that game where Nick Chubb fumbled not once but twice, and we threw a shuffle pass by Baker Mayfield right to
0: a New England Patriot (laughs) line.
1: Like, I don't know you could have gotten any more cliche
0: than we got yesterday. Joe, I got to tell you. I got to tell you, Joe. Because first, we see the beginning of that game, right? And it's torrential downpour, right? Torrential downpour. And then I see how the game is going, right? And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna bet this live under. I'm gonna bet this live under. Because mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy out there. It's a monsoon. I bet the live under literally <laughs> right before the Browns turn it over three times in three plays. <laughs> and it goes to like, you know, I literally <laughs> go to the bathroom and yep. I come back and my fiance is like, "Uh, New England defensive touchdown." I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> Damn it. Then I sit down and like he shovel passes it to the damn defensive lineman. I'm like, oh, this isn't good for the under. This is not good for the (laughs) under. But ultimately, because I got the under live at 43 and a half, I still sneaked it out. But I was I was sweating there. I was like, oh, great. They're just going to give it right up. But I'm going to say the same thing that I was just saying with Adam Gaze, Joe. Look, look. Five sacks they gave up, and at the end of the game, Baker Mayfield was looking at Freddie Kitchens with side eyes. I'm telling you, he was like, "Uh, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. I don't know if you caught that. He was literally looking at the sidelines like, all right, let's, let's give it up right now and live to fight another day because he got banged up again at the end. And, Joe, 13 penalties for 85 yep. yards. They were letting New England extend drives. They were putting themselves in bad positions. And guess what? The same as we say about Atlanta, right? I know we're down on Baker and all this stuff, but they have talent, Joe. We know they have talent. So just like as Atlanta, this w- comes back to coaching and Freddie Kitchens is in over his head and contrast that with Bill Belichick, who I know, you know, I'm no Patriots fan, but you got to tip his cap, got to tip your cap for his 300th career win.
1: Yeah. It, congratulations. Once again, New England proves why they are New England because talent in the NFL is never enough it's a matter of putting talent in a position to be able to succeed bill belichick forever dane for for 30 some odd years his specialty is whatever you do well you won't be doing well against us to the point where he'll even prior to the game you know he'll go around and tell like don't expect to catch the ball dude like it's you're not going to catch the ball today like he's done that throughout history that is what he does. Whatever you think you do really well, yeah, you you well, ask the Rams uh, exactly how well they played with that defense and this defense this year. Now, Chubb had some success yesterday, he sure did. but but so what? Uh, I mean, that's the, again, Ben don't break. They make a big play when they need to make a big play, and I know. Defense isn't, you know, you can rotate defenses in fantasy, Dane, but I got to imagine whoever whoever had the New England defense uh, is probably not giving them up anytime soon in fantasy leagues around the country. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's the easiest selection every week. Uh, at least it has been to this particular point on a fantasy lineup, brother. They're scoring more points than running backs at this point.
0: Yeah, wasn't it something like just their defense? If you take all the Patriots points away, uh, like the Patriots would still be a 500 team or something like that. Exactly. I I will say this, Joe. I'm I'm not (laughs) upset with my leagues where I have the San Francisco defense. I will just say that I'm okay with that, you know. But this is what it comes down to. You know, I'm going to be intrigued because. Nick Chubb was able to run the ball, Joe. Mm -hmm. Nick Chubb was able to run the ball. He just fumbled it twice. You know what I mean? So they did show that. And listen, let me not get ahead of ourselves. But remember I told you that for the next, like, four games, the Patriots are playing teams that are coming off their bye? Mm -hmm. Well, the next two, I'd be interested because next week they have Baltimore coming off their bye. And if there's any team that can run the ball, it's Baltimore. So I want to see how it looks against Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram and all. I'm not picking Baltimore, but I just want to see how it looks. And then after that, they have Philly off a bye. And Philly's been running the ball well recently as well. I don't know how it'll look against New England, but I think it will be a stiffer test.
1: That's, you know, I know how it's going to look. Uh, Nick Chubb being able to run didn't hurt New England. Not allowing Landry and everyone else to hurt them. Yeah, that's game plan, people. That's what the Patriots do. So we got some Monday night football coming your way. At least some while it is, there's football, uh, Pittsburgh will host the Miami Dolphins Fitzmagic on the road here tonight, uh, getting 14 points, uh, taking on the, the Steelers who are, let's face it, still have an opportunity here as crazy as that may sound, uh, in a division that. Well, the two and five Cleveland Browns uh, aren't uh, aren't making a move anytime soon. And Baltimore is obviously the the class of the division at this point. But Steelers have an opportunity playing great defense. Mason Rudolph is back after not knowing his name with a uh, big hit there coming out of the concussion protocol, although they got great production. From their backups back up there. Yeah, it's fantastic <laughs> stuff there. Uh Let's but it's a, it's an important it game. And the problem with this game for a lot of Steelers fans is that throughout the tenure of Mike Tomlin, these are exactly the games he does not play. He his teams don't show up for these exact games. It's been a staple for Tomlin. It's been my biggest complaint of Tomlin over the years. He wins the games that he's not supposed to win or he knows is going to be battles, but it's the games that they should breeze through, which is exactly the problem. Always been with the Steelers, with Roethlisberger and Tomlin. You, you don't get up. They almost, it's like they overlook them during the week and then something will happen in the game and they are not prepared for it. And before you know it, the game's over and they lose. That's the problem with this game tonight with Mike Tomlin as your head coach.
0: Well, that's even a bigger issue than Joe because in years past. They would then rely on Big Ben to make some plays. The same way we saw Aaron Rodgers make some plays. The same way Mm -hmm. we've seen, you know, insert Hall of Fame, great veteran quarterback name there, make some plays. I don't know that Mason Rudolph has the ability to bail them out in the same way. There's no Lev Bell, Antonio Brown, Big Ben to Mm -hmm. go ahead and bail them out. So you're right, Joe. I You know, the Steelers do have a history of like, playing to the level of their competition, but they might not just be able to rally tonight. I like Pittsburgh to win the game, but 14 is a lot of points. ton
1: of points for a team that usually plays down to their competition. So we shall see. We'll break that down as well as a game six of the World Series. That's coming up as well. Next, let's make it rain. Fantasy. Let's do it.